Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. This is the build-up on Balls.ie in partnership with Labrooks where we look ahead to the biggest events of the sporting weekend and we're joined today to talk a bit of football by uh, Labrooks ambassador, former Ireland international Kevin Doyle as always. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, Nick. Yeah, nice to be talking about uh, club football again. <laughs> yeah, the international weeks really drain us, don't they? It's like you, it's like you, you, we care a little bit too much. You get so involved in it, and it's kind of grim at the same time. So yeah, you got to get back to club. We can. It's like we're talking about it from a distance, isn't it? Yeah, you can actually enjoy it. You can enjoy being constructive and um, Ireland at the moment. Everyone's passionate about it, but everyone has different opinions, and it's like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, Polarized. Yeah, Kevin is trying to find the middle ground in the polarised nature of Irish football. Not there. It's, not, it's not there, Mick. <laughs> it can be a lonely place sometimes, I think, uh, when you're when you're there. But uh, let's move on to the club football because you say we can enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed um, the return of the Champions League this week. And we'll talk about the weekend. We'll do our one-two free picks for, with, with Ladbrokes and so on and so forth before we get to the end of the show. But like the Liverpool-Milan game last night was brilliant. It was just really, really exciting football. I don't know if you'd be too happy as a Liverpool fan um, about the whole thing in that they just fell asleep for five minutes or for two, three minutes even at the end of the first half. But in general, I have to say, if you're watching them for 87 minutes last night, this looks like the Liverpool team of two years ago, doesn't it? Yeah, this season so far, the few games I've seen them play, they've been good. So, yeah, right back at it. Um, you know, just the way we talked about them last season and lack of crowd, and I felt they got hit more than anyone with playing in front of empty stadiums. The way they play and the energy they play with and, and how high they press and how they go and go again and go again and they attack again, um, that they they appreciate a noise and a crowd more than most teams and get more from it. So, you know, you can definitely write off last season as a blip from them, and they started this season really well. Last night was good. Again, a good game. You always enjoy watching Liverpool play. I know they conceded a couple of goals. Our fans might, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, maybe we conceded two goals, but you always enjoy watching them play, which is, you know, something. Even if you concede a few, you're, you're in the game, and you always feel Liverpool going to create a chance and go with it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about it last night during the game, the noise of Anfield and the cop and so on and how much it was lifting them and when when they got that equaliser, the noise for the next 20 minutes or however long it was before Henderson's score was unbelievable. And I was thinking about you saying that about Liverpool probably being one of the teams that suffered the most. Is that a tangible thing? You've played at Anfield many times that like it, it's, it's a, it feels a bigger deal than it does maybe at other grounds. Like, um, that you might play at that when Anfield yeah. erupts, it really does get but it lifts the team. Yeah, I don't know what way the stadium is, acoustics, the fans themselves, the noise. Like if you compare it to playing at Old Trafford, um, more people at Old Trafford, but you don't, their noise isn't as good. The atmosphere isn't the same. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I've played against Liverpool when they weren't playing us, but they weren't the Liverpool that they are now um, at times. And it was still a brilliant atmosphere there. It was never it felt like a negative atmosphere. I feel like maybe some of the players that they've really will say different, but to me, always it seemed like fantastic noise and support that they get good or bad. So um, it's definitely has to be an advantage, doesn't it? I know you're playing in front of a crowd. You know, you got you got a crowd and they're on your side and they're roaring. Especially it goes with the style of play. If you're a if you're a passing relaxed team in Man City, you don't need that same. Um, boost that you get from a crowd that you do if you're a Liverpool who are surging forward, who are counter-attacking, who are pressing high, 
you know, every sheer shout and roar gives you the impetus and energy to go again the way they play. It suits them. So um, that's my reasons why might be complete nonsense. But my reasons why I think uh, Anfield especially is a, is a big bonus for Liverpool and why they might have been underperforming last season. Absolutely, yeah. Just on Liverpool then, like, you know, one player we won't see too much of uh, for the rest of the season, unfortunately, is Harvey Elliott. And there's an amazing thing about an 18-year-old, like, breaking into one of the best teams in the world. You have to be seriously good at that age to be able to kind of, like, make an impact, get picked for a big league game like that. I just, we talked about the whole let it flow after, I think, week one. I feel like a lot of opinions have moved on. We've let it see, like... The referee wasn't going to give a free kick for that unless Elliot's leg broke or whatever happened, his ankle disconnected. Obviously, they changed his mind, red card. That red card's been upheld. Is there an argument that it's... The, the idea of just kind of like opening up the game and changing how it's being refereed, if you've grown up a certain way and there's never been a tackle from behind, for example, you aren't going to be able to adjust your game. That's the way you've learned to play football. And if suddenly we're bringing back Vinnie Jones types to hack you down, to make it make it a hard man's game again, we're going to have a lot of injuries because lads don't know how to defend themselves. Yeah, there is a sense of knowing how to fall, knowing how to take a tackle. You know, you're able to, you feel it coming, you sense it coming. Like I would have always been aware that I was going to get smashed from the up. assembly <laughs> wrong, get badly tackled from behind. <laughs> um... um and you, 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 you're aware of it, and it's like a sixth sense. Maybe you have a point there about players not being as aware of it as they would have been. Like, even with that tackle, though, because I've been, I was watching it, I saw it, and looking at different people's comments on it, and professional footballers, next professional footballers, there's still no, again, like a lot of things, a lot of people were saying that's not a red card. Listen, it's terrible injury and very unfortunate, but it's not a red card. So there's no set, there's no right, or there's no, everyone can't agree on things, even as, you know, what, yeah. what looks like a bad tackle there. Or, you know, if we sat in a referee's meeting with that one, I often talk to you about that. He would say to us, um, that's not sending off. But it, it is a sending off because he's damaged, hurt the opponent. But if he hadn't, uh, if, he, if he just fouled him and not broke his ankle, it's not a sending off because he's not endangering the play. So, you know, I don't know if that, you know, makes sort of sense to you, but you're trying to say, well, he hasn't, he hasn't gone into hurt him. He hasn't meant to do it. And it's a legitimate. No trying to win the ball it just happened he caught his leg and broke it so um you don't want to see that deal. and that's the reason tackles yeah. behind i've pretty much been outlawed in the game you know we're talking about letting things go and letting letting the game flow and letting you know letting sort of some minor instances minor stuff go and it's getting the happy medium isn't it i, I don't mm-hmm. think tackles behind have been there's been any agreement where they're allowed into the game again that you know you could let the game flow in those instances. I don't think so. I, you know, it was the Burnley game we spoke about Liverpool earlier in the season, didn't we? Yeah. That was more letting things go, more of like a wrestling match type game. Do you know what it were? Physically, upper body, you know, strength, holding people off, maybe, you know, barging into people. It wasn't smashing tackles from behind. So there's a happy medium. Um, and usually stuff gets an equilibrium and, and they'll see that and it'll, it'll be brought back to the middle. It'll be balanced a bit and, you know, the right decision, in my opinion, there. You know, anyone who gets, I know it wasn't meant to be. I know that he tried to win the ball, but anyone, if you break someone's ankle, I don't care if you're not meaning it or whatever, it's a sending off. You can't be endangering people's, mm. you know, obviously, a bad tackle if he's broke his ankle. So, you know, to me, that's a sending off. I don't care whether he meant it or not meant it or it was a legitimate attempt to win the ball. He, he still broke his ankle. So, and um, that's where I stand on it. So, um, 
But I still, I enjoy it, say that Liverpool Burnley game. I know Liverpool fans give out the manager, give out, but from what I saw, but maybe I missed it, but it was more just a physical strength battle that game. And I enjoyed someone trying to do yeah. something a bit different. And Liverpool still won the game and they didn't, I don't think they got any injuries out of it. It's, it's like everything, make a happy medium and not going yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair point. And I, I wonder if it, it the problem isn't the idea of maybe like stopping diving and so on and so forth and, and, and penalising that a little bit more. But I... I worry when a referee is given a vague guideline, you know, that no rules have been changed, but here's something vague because I think things like that will change. Like I remember I told you that before that watching the, watching the first Villa game of the season against, um, against uh, Watford and like Danny Ings was kicked above the knee in a foul and the referee said play on. And it was just one of those, there's been about 10 incidents that and it was just one of those, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know, that like, you know, a lot of when you're watching on TV and you see a foul and you go, Oh, I don't think there was much in that. And, it, it turns out the referee has a much better view of it. You see the replay, and you go, "Oh yeah, he he clipped his ankle." So on, free on, play play on, play on, free. Uh, take the quick free and move on with the game. But you can't not give a free for it. And I just thought there was so many incidences in the first couple of weeks where you're thinking, "This is clearly a pretty bad foul," and players are going to take advantage of it more and more. And maybe now something has to happen like this yeah. for it to kind of come back to earth. But I do wonder when, like, you're talking about such a. It's like VAR last year. You're talking about this multi-billion dollar industry, the pound industry, whatever it is, and they just kind of come out with these vague rules where they say to referees, here, we're just leaning a bit this way this year, and it takes okay. six weeks to sort it out every single season. It's kind of bananas, isn't it? It does happen like that every season where you see stuff. The first, they obviously have a meeting this summer. We're going to let things run a little bit more, try to get them flow in the game. Maybe there was more stoppages. They're probably going to analyze it more stoppages in the last couple of years than normal and trying to get it flown again. And that always happens and it seems to come back though. It does seem to even up. And I don't mind them. I know you're saying vague. I don't mind them letting the referees use their own judgment because we do give out a lot that referees make decisions by the exact letter of the law without using well, yeah. judgment and, and taking everything into account. So I don't mind that side of it, you know, but just common sense, isn't it? Common sense. Um, you're talking about that incident. I didn't see that instance with Danny Keane. No, it wasn't a big deal. It was one of many, you know. Like, I remember you being cross about it. So obviously, <laughs> it's it obviously you're not biased at all. Um, uh, but it was obviously a bad one. And, you know, that's where refs need to, you know. He'll be, you know, in fairness, refs, they have a tough time. They will be watching that back on video. He'll have been had made watch that, the ref, and analyze it mm-hmm. with his supervisor in the week after. And I'm sure he'd seen that he was wrong. So... Um, they learn over the few weeks and realize this we can't be letting up. certain instances we can't we're, we're, we're after taking this free floating too far we need to just nip it in the bud a little bit maybe even have a word with the players beforehand in the dressing room or you know you like being spoken to as a player like you're a human if you know what I mean um, not like you're a school kid being spoken to like an adult and it goes both ways players should speak to the rest the same as well um, and I always felt if a rest spoke to me before a game or a quick white word in the game listen Kevin cut out or will you speak to so-and-so to cut out and I can't be letting you know I'm away with that again I'll have to send them off whatever it, that works it's when refs don't don't talk to you or or treat you like you're a school kid and um, mm-hmm. you see all you know you see it getting out of hand or you see the players retaliating back at the ref or shouting or roaring at them I think if you treat them right the players will treat the rest back right and you'll get you'll get um, you'll get all this as I say equal and itself out and um, can but back to your point, um, it's still it's still a tackle from behind the other night going all the way back. That's 
been outlawed or supposedly been outlawed and it shouldn't be and even a question mark on, on the rest line there yeah can i actually sorry i've gone off topic completely here as usual but i, I the referee thing you hear about it in rugby an awful lot it's like a big conversation during the week and it's obviously such a complicated game but like there'll be a comment the irish team will know who the referee is they'll know what way he's going to referee a game and they'll have to amend their game plan for that particular thing is that ever discussed in football if you've got you know mike dean coming up this weekend he's go oh this fella's going to be he's you know I won't. I won't say it. I'm not. I'm not I don't want to get into my Mike B- Dean biases here. But specifically, yeah. like, if do you would you have a conversation uh, in and saying so and so? Oh yeah, you would um, about maybe back chat or about the way you could deal with this ref or influence him. But I wouldn't think Robbie's a lot more. There's a lot more if he ifs and buts in Robbie and decisions yeah. and inner and scrums and all. Where I think refs have completely different viewpoints and you you play it the way a ref looks at things. Is that it's not. It's a bit more black and white in. In football, that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm completely wrong um, about rugby, but it's a bit more black and white. Um, and you would you would have a conversation about maybe the rest you could talk to or speak to, and and that works both ways. Right? I love the ref. If I disagreed with a decision he made, and he accepted me speaking to him about it, and not just dismiss me and go, Kevin, listen, I that's what I saw. Sorry if I'm wrong. I'll look at it afterwards, but that's what I saw. Saying and he, like that just. It diffuses everything when a ref speaks to you like that. And yeah. um, they were the rest I liked. And a good few of them are like that, but there is others, um, I'm not going to name them, who will just treat you like you're my eight-year-old son uh, in school or whatever. And, uh, you know, what I say goes and that's it. There's no conversation about anything. Absolutely. Look, there'll be plenty more ref conversations. Hopefully not as much, but it, it does tend to happen, as you mentioned earlier on in the year. But Manchester United, it's been an interesting week. So Ronaldo came back. He scored three goals in two games. It's like you couldn't... It's it's actually unbelievable how much this guy scores goals um, and, and makes an impact. But despite it feeling positive, the Glazers are back at Old Trafford. Everybody's happy again. <laughs> Champions League, you lose to young boys, and it feels very like last year. You know, like there's United were very suddenly out of the Champions League last season, you know, and we blamed the games at the end of the campaign, but it was actually mistakes made early in the campaign. You know, this we could be looking back at this at Christmas and saying this was a really, really bad night for Man United. Yeah, and they, they made a couple of changes, but in the, in the main, they had a strong team out, and it was just said a repeat of last year. There so many points last year where I sat and spoke to you and were like, yeah, listen, they might have turned a corner here. Great performance at the weekend. Um, they're in the top two in the league or whatever it was at the time. And then they go, it's a silly game. It's a, you know, a game that you think it's a run-of-the-mill game. And it's when they don't perform. And this was one, like, and I'm not, I don't like the name. I mean, the whole team were poor um, yeah. the other night. Um, and it's just, that, that's just the way they've gone. It was like they beat Leeds. The first game of the season, whatever score it was, scored a load of goals. And they went to Southampton and they were poor. And, yeah. and through the game and it's always giving you it feels like two steps forward one step back giving you a load of hope and then <laughs> been sucked out of you again a few days later and it's probably an overreaction they've gone away in Europe they've lost 2-1 and the player sent off for 60 minutes down to 10 men so listen I know I said it loads of times last season you have to give them the benefit of the, of the doubt it's still so early in the season um, Ronaldo has started well. There is a really good atmosphere in fairness, you have to say, at Old Trafford and the buzz around the place, the best you've, I've seen it from a, for a long time and the noise and everything coming through the TV anyway looks fantastic. Yeah. The one worry I had that game um, was, you know, we're met, our, 
our centre half partnership now is meant to be is you know the Newcastle. I don't know if you remember the Newcastle's first goal. I don't getting away from the Champions League game. But Newcastle's first goal last weekend. Yeah, and Harry Maguire jumped in on the halfway line, totally missed the tackle. Newcastle went through, and then Varane jumped in on the edge of the box, went with his wrong foot to do a tackle, and it was a skip by, and it was you know goal. And it's just like there are two centre halves combined value of about 150 million. Meant to be the kingpin. Meant to be like what. Possibly puts United in with title contention along with Simon Ronaldo, but having these two with center halves now, and that was just, you know, nothing was picked up on after game because everyone was watching Ronaldo and saying how brilliant it was. No, nothing spoken about Newcastle's goal. But if you look back at Newcastle's goal, you just go on the, yeah. the two center halves were terrible, you know, amateur um, defending from both of them. So I hope that uh, that improves. I know it's the first game playing together, I think, um, and it'll take a while for them to settle in as a partnership. Thought he would have played them again the other night together. The back he made, he brought in um, Lindelof and made a change. Um, thought he would have played them together, just getting more minutes under belt. I think defenders, centre halves can play can play more um, than maybe you want to rest forwards or midfielders or whatever. But centre halves is more about getting uh, getting together and getting um, you know six sense of each where each other are and getting used to playing with each other. So I wouldn't have made that change the other night. But listen, there was a few question marks over different changes and substitutions made, but. There wasn't that mentioned about that one, but that was just my, my observation of that Newcastle yeah. game the other night. I wonder as well, and look, I mean, I hate to always come back to it, and I don't like to be always talking about Paul Pogba, but it does feel that midfield is a little overrun. And I know McTominay might come in and stuff, but him as a him in two in midfield, it just seems like an accident waiting to happen in a way, doesn't it? Or it even might give impetus to the other team to control the game a little bit, you know. And, it's funny, we were looking at PSG last night and there was some discussion of like, this is just a load of superstars. This doesn't suit the way the manager plays. He wants to press. And Miguel Delaney was talking about that on Twitter. It was a really good point. Like, Pochettino wants to press and this is a team that isn't going to do it. But yeah. then they go and draw with like Bruges, you know? But I don't think United are in that bracket at all. But you do feel like Ronaldo was that last piece of some puzzle. But where did it leave the entire shape of the team? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I'm just looking at their team from the other night and uh, against Newcastle. I think in the game so far, Pogba has played as um, centre mid, but uh, Van Beek and Fred, he's one as well. I'm, I'm just haven't seen enough of Danny Van Beek to know whether you know Tosca just seems to totally not be having him at all. A few times I've seen him play, I think he technically looks brilliant, but again in midfield and, and trying to get. Both ends of the pitch up and out support, and he doesn't look like he's got an engine at the moment. He did speak about a fitness regime he went through in the summer to try get you know up to speed and be able to do that. Um, but I just haven't seen enough of him. Got whipped at half time because probably because of the sending off. I thought I should have left him on. Um, yeah, trying to fit people in your hand about Quadratino PSG, and he wants to press. I don't know what Sashgar sort of. I'm still not sure what his favorite sort of style of play is. Um, you know. They're a bit, a bit sort of everywhere. You know, you don't know. You can never, you know, somebody Man City, you, you can know the way to play. Liverpool, you know the way to play. Talk about PSG and Pochettino, you know the way he wants to play, but he might not be there to do it. I'm not sure with Man United watching them against Newcastle. Some were pressing, some weren't. Um, they said they've got a collection of fabulous players, and how do you get them? Pogba is always the one. What position do you play him in? Like in the centre mid, like, the best. In his career was for Juventus on that sort of left of a tree in the middle, sort of a free roll, could come in and score goals, 
but always reverted to the left-hand side defensively. And um, against the weaker teams, he's fine, I think, in the middle. Um, yeah. I'm sure, listen, season will tell. Um, this is a massive season. He's out of contract in the season as well. If you're going to play well for United, this is the one, because he's looking for either a fabulous new contract here or somewhere else. So somewhere else, yeah. in the last season uh, of his contract, now you're, he's going to be focused the most he's... Um, He's been focused, I'd imagine, at Man United, and we should see the best of him. But yeah. what position what position to play him in? I don't know. Solskjaer knows. Um, I don't know. Pogba knows. You know, he doesn't really speak about what his favourite position is. Um, and when he plays well, he's fabulous. But it's, again, like I'm, I'm not taking him out because it's a good few Man United. The inconsistency of week-to-week performances, certainly last season and this season, just going on the game the other night, uh, could be a problem again. Yeah. Well, the new player manager is probably sort that out once he gets his feet under the table there, <laughs> as he does. Well, like, well, what I'm saying is, I, I get back. Sorry, I'm cutting up here, but I love to hear the story of Ronaldo tonight and the food and not having dessert and all the players um, seeing what he was eating and they they're following suit. I'm not saying that's going to make a massive difference, but little things like that. Young players seeing him, how he lives, how he does things. He might yeah. Ronaldo might be the same player that you'd love him to be at Old Trafford, but he, he could have a massive influence on a few players there for years to come if they see how he lives his life. Um, can't believe they were having brownies the night before a game on the menu, by the way. Uh, for as professional sports people, it was a strange one, but uh, brownies and custard and different things like that. But, uh, <laughs> it was nice to see nice to see Ronaldo leading by example. And, um, you know, little things like that. It could be extra in the gym or extra training afterwards. He could have a massive influence outside of his just what he does on the pitch for the for the next few years. The Man United menu leaks have been the best part of the season <laughs> for some reason, but uh, I hope it's not the end of Jesse Lingard's uh, omelette and ketchup uh, that we uh, we've seen many times on Instagram over the years. Uh, but maybe maybe that's what the influence Ronaldo will have. Um, Pogba, I think, was left forward in the first game of the season against Leeds when he, we right. spoke about how brilliant he was and his four assists and so on. He's been midfield ever since. It's just interesting you bring that up. Where is his best position? We'll move on, uh, Kevin, to the weekend. United are included in this. We're going to look at Labrooks 1-2-3. Um, this is where you get to play for free on labrooks.com. You pick the scores in three of the games this weekend. If you get one score correct, you win a one euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win a hundred euro cash. Kevin is going to give us his picks uh, for the three games. Villa and Everton first. Everton have started the season really well under uh, under Rafa, I have to say. There is a, uh, I was watching them the other night now. It was just like a routine win against Burnley, but it felt like Goodison were ready to kind of say, okay, we'll give this guy a chance here now. And this could be a bit of fun this year. Yeah, this class manager isn't he and um, amazing how fans come around I know under results um, I thought I'm um, and they have a good squad everything like it's not like they don't have good players and uh, talking about atmosphere there's a place good as a fabulous atmosphere there as well um, so they're doing well I can imagine it's only going to be better as the season goes on um, I'm going to go for a draw this game although make, I think Villa in fine as well You you've seen Villa Minute by minute this season, probably more than I have, but I fancy Villa um, at home to get something this game. I go for a one-all draw. One all, yeah, I've never seen a better reaction to a three-nil defeat as uh, as happened on uh, on Saturday evening against uh, Chelsea. It went up against the All Ireland final, so a lot of people won't have seen it. But um, yeah, the, a, a good performance in a three-nil defeat to Chelsea, which might show you how good Chelsea are. We'll talk about them in a second. But West Ham and United, the the Jesse Lingard derby. 
Uh, West Ham, <laughs> they've got they've got they've got Europe on Thursday night, which isn't something yeah. that normally West Ham have to worry about uh, before a game on a Sunday, and you know which is brilliant. Moyes, they started well again. They look a decent side. Watching them just on just a match of day highlights against Southampton, and just I wonder if there'll be a kind of a crash back to earth slightly as the, as the year goes on. But the forward line looks exciting. Like they're a decent side, West Ham. Yeah. Um... And you know, we I saw you had that sort of crash back to our feeling last year and it didn't really happen. They kept it going yeah. early all season. So the one thing is Europe, it does seem to get in the way of teams who aren't used to have been there who might have the squad to deal with. So that'd be a one where he'd playing on a Thursday night and then have come back and play Man United and Man United were playing last night, but it's an extra day for them. Um so that is why you know United seem to bounce back from a poor result with a win. Um or a good performance, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go for an away win in this one, um, a two-one Man United. I think I think it was something similar last season, Man United at West Ham. Can't exactly remember. I seem to remember Pogba scoring. I think it was that was it. Man United West Ham Pogba scoring a really good goal, maybe to win it near the end. Um, at at uh, at West Ham as well. I go for a two-one away win. Okay, so a two-one away win there for United in London uh, at the London Stadium. Then another game in London, London Derby, Spurs and Chelsea. It's a really interesting one to me. Spurs were absolutely terrible against Palace on Saturday morning. It was, I couldn't believe it. It was just like, it was, you know, I just, I don't know why you expect more or whatever, but they started the season quite well. You're thinking, right, they've left the weirdness of the last few seasons behind them and we'll see what they are. Maybe they're a team who could challenge for fourth, fifth and just be a little bit more consistent. And they just never showed up at all. And then you've got Chelsea, who look outstanding. I said to you just before we come on, are like the quietest European champions contenders. They've signed a guy who's had the same impact as Ronaldo's had at United, yeah. uh, scoring every game, um, scored again in Champions League on Tuesday night, and just look at, like, finished product almost, you know? Yeah, so sell for first win 1-0. No, 2-0. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this, I couldn't believe that Crystal Palace game. Um, because like one thing their manager and one thing at Wolves he was criticising is maybe been a little bit too defensive and solid at times, and that was the exact opposite the way they were the other day. Um, and how well they started the season as well to lose to Crystal Palace, who you know people a good few people had down as been real strugglers and possible relegation fodder this season. So that would really have stung, I'd imagine, brought them back down to earth um, for their positive start. Chelsea, you just described their start to the season and. You know, you're, you know, sort of, again, under, if Chelsea can be under the radar, but they're the Champions League winners. They've strengthened their squad fabulously and uh, people still aren't really having them for winning the league or or winning the Champions League again. So, um, amazing how they're a little bit under the radar. Lukaku started so well for them as well. Um, it's it your favourite current player. I always feel like when you yeah. speak, as a, as a footballer now, I'm not saying as somebody yeah. who's just or anything like that, but is he is he the kind of player that you admire the most in yeah, football? I do like the way he plays centre forward. Yeah, he's a, he's nearly old school type centre forward, and, and and less and less of those in the league. Like 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 Ronaldo's a winger playing centre forward. Man City don't play a centre forward half the time. Liverpool don't play a centre forward. Chelsea are with Lukaku. He's that you know number nine holds the ball up, but runs in behind as well, brings people into play, and then scores goals at the end of it. You know he does a little bit of everything. See him in the Euros for Belgium. I, I talked about him a good few times. Uh, just highlighted some of these, you know, some of these runs and these movements. Um, and 
I saw him at Man United and he just wasn't the player that we saw at, at Everton. He wasn't the player then that was, you know, when he went into Milan, how he changed overnight. And they said it was, they fixed something in his bowel and his diet that was affecting him. And he became a, became the player that he was, had the potential to be all those, you know, for all those years at Everton. And now he's, a, he's started off at Chelsea like that again. He looks, looks unplayable when he plays well. He's just got the, he's got a bit of everything. So I like him. Um, everyone likes him, don't they? Well, most people would like to have him in their team when he's playing like this. So, um, but as a centre forward, I, I'd appreciate what he does. You know, he does a little bit of everything, works hard. So, um, probably going to be top scorer in the league, to be honest. Um, probably Ronaldo. Um, Ronaldo, yeah. Yeah, he sort of guarantees your goals. He doesn't go through a spell where he doesn't score. He just seems to guarantee your goals. Again, in Italy, where it's not easy to score, he did it last season. So, last couple of seasons. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go for an away win. I'm going to go for a. Oh, I'm going to go for. 2-1 Chelsea. 2-1 Chelsea. Okay, so Sunday's games will be 2-1, 2 2-1 away wins, according to Kevin, and a one-all draw on Saturday night between Villa and Everton. Uh, that's Kevin's one, two, three picks. You can pick your own. Um, just go on to labbrooks.com and play one, two, three for absolutely free now. Uh, you pick the three scores in the three games of the weekend. If you get one right, you get a one euro free bet. If you get two, you get a two euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win a hundred euro cash. Kevin, thanks a million. Uh, that was a it was a great chat. Uh, we went off on the referees there for a while. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, we we brought it back there. <laughs> Our Chelsea, our Chelsea fan producer will be delighted that we finally gave them the credit they deserve this season as well. So yeah. we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, mate. Talk to you soon. Thanks a million to Kevin. Thanks for you for watching as well. Thanks to Ladbrokes also. If you are having a bet on Premier League or anything else going ahead this weekend, um, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlewy.net for more information. We'll be back with you, but not more. Please.